RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to Crush Performance. Jeff Grishel here, the calm man behind the glass. We are your weekly source for performance information. If you want to get in touch with us, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush. And on Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel, just search out Crush Performance, and we will hook you up with all the latest information. So today, a really big show. There is a lot going on in the sporting world that I want to get after it. Um, you know, I just like it when the stars align. Uh, walked into the studio, our good friend Tom Gazzola is here. He is a on-air host of TSN, of course, and also with the NHL Network correspondent. So, uh, oh, yeah. thanks for staying in. I don't want to eat up your Saturday, but I'm <laughs> glad, man. I'm going, oh, this could work out really well. Crush, I'm just happy to be here, buddy. I'm going to be here all day watching the games, so uh, more fun being on air with you. Perfect, good, because I want to get, you know, talking to you and Connor today is going to be great. we got a lot to talk about, of course. Uh, pitchers and catchers have reported, and there's a lot of storylines in the great game of baseball. We're going to talk about some of those here right away. I don't think we've ever seen a sport, a professional sport, change as much as we've seen baseball change in the last five years. And I'm just talking about the performance numbers. We're going to review some of those today, but um, there's there's you'd be hard pressed to find a, a sport that has changed as much as baseball. And if you really trace it back to the reasoning here, data analytics have changed this game like nothing we've ever seen. We'll talk about that for sure. Hey, coming up in the second break, we're going to talk with Will Gilmore. He is the rehab and strength and conditioning coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to talk injuries, injury prevention, and getting ready for the baseball season. Way up north, I know there's still tons of snow, but baseball's right around the corner. And this is a time when young athletes need to start thinking about getting ready for the season. And of course, there's lots to learn uh, from the guys who are working with the pros. So we'll be talking to Will um, coming up here after the break in the second segment. And then later on, we're going to answer some emails and texts that have come in. Some great questions from our last episode where we talked about specialization in sport and early specialization in sport. And uh, we're going to answer those questions. Uh, because if you think early specialization is working for you, it, you know, intuitively kind of makes sense. Get your young athlete into a sport, give him all the opportunity, him or her, all the opportunity to get an advantage at an early age. But the data is showing us without question, specializing too early is a risky, risky game to play. So we're going to talk about that and answer the questions from, from Merv. And um, guys, listen, I just want to, uh, again, thank you guys for coming in. Uh, Valentine's Day just over. Tom, are you a sort of Valentine romantic kind of guy? or Sure, sure, Crush. Yeah. But uh, no particular, well, yeah, I had a Valentine. She lives in the States, though. And uh, she wanted a shout out yesterday on the air. Nice. I'll give her a shout out today. What up, Whitney? Whitney. Yeah. All right. Happy yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't tough. seen her in a while. I'll see her at the end of the hockey season, though. Beautiful. Yeah. Good, man. Yeah, that's tough. Con man, we know you're a romantic now, man. We know it. <laughs> oh, he is. Trust yeah. upon me. Yes, yes. Yeah. I went over, uh, had a nice steak dinner last night with Ashley. It was very nice. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 
I don't buy into the Valentine's Day stuff, but I still think, you know, you, you got to do something. Yeah. There's something. There's sort of mixed opinions on Valentine's Day, right? You know, you don't want to be forced into it, you know, and the marketing and the Hallmark side of things. But but that being said, so I'm well into my marriage, right? Three beautiful daughters and, and the sort of tradition. I'm not a big Valentine's guy, but it's a nice reminder because you get caught up in your life and you're so busy just to stop and take a second and to those special people around you just to, you know, Hey, here's some flowers. Love you. Yep. You know, my daughters get little flowers every year. That's a tradition. So, so that's like sort that. of my gimmick. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what we do. So, so happy Valentine's day as we head into the weekend here. So listen, we are going to start talking uh, baseball here, but before we do, I uh, just wanted to talk to you guys. Just came off of the Oilers pregame show. Glad we caught you again, Tom. But I just wanted to talk about the suspension here the Oilers are now facing. Um, um, I know mixed reviews from Oilers fans sure. and hockey fans around, but this is actually a, a pretty big responsibility the NHL has to send a clear message here, right? Yeah, they do. And listen, like Crush, the bottom of your skate is a blade. It's a, it's a, it could be used as a weapon. And and listen, what Zach Cassian did was absolutely incorrect in what he did. And I know that he just pushed off and all of that. And you go, well, he didn't hurt the guy. And the severity wasn't necessarily as bad as a uh, a straight cross-check to the, the throat of an opponent, which we saw in the Chara thing. But it's the principle of it. Like, you used your skate in a way that it's not intended in the game of hockey. And although in this situation, nothing really happened to the player that it, it, it happened against in Eric Cernak, it's the principle of it. And you, you just can't do that. That's yeah. a dumb play. And the seven games, it's, it's part of being a repeat offender too. And him being suspended three, four weeks ago after that incident with the Flames, that's a weapon, man. Yeah. And it's just like a hockey stick. You got to be really, really careful what you do with it. Got to be aware, right? And it is funny because I think, you know, from what I've seen from our, our texters and listeners, social media, everyone accepts that what he did was wrong. Yeah. But the problem the fans have with is, well, Zdeno Chara cross-checks uh, Brandon Gallagher in the face, or sorry, in the throat, and it's a $5,000 fine. Today, Evander Kane was suspended for three games. He's even gone to social media now and tweeted out, you know, how does this not get anything in reference to the Zdeno Chara cross-check? So, you know, it, the frustration is boiling over for a lot of people now. There's just no consistency. And I think that's the bigger problem with the NHL right now. It's, yeah. it's exposing George Peros and his lack of experience. I think, I think that's what we're seeing in the way he's handling these situations. He was roasted for his way of handling the first Cassian suspension. And when Cassian held his first press conference following the news of the suspension, saying, well, now I know what's within the bounds of fair play. And Matt Kachuk's hits were deemed okay by the league and by George Peros. So now I know what I can do. And basically, as soon as Cassian said that, he opened up a whole different can of worms across the league because other players are listening to that press conference. And they're going, oh, okay. So Matthew Kachuk taking runs at guys and going out of position and, and hitting them, catching them on their blind side but not on the head is okay. So we can all do this now. And, and that exposed Peros and, and his thought process. And then now with the inconsistency with these suspensions and, and fines and all of that, 
Crush, honestly, like it's just going to throw more question marks on George Peros and his ability to handle discipline in the National Hockey League. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Hey, do you guys think this has a trickle-down effect for the game of hockey now? now of course. Ho- yeah, hopefully maybe this is a conversation we see right down to minor hockey, you know, coaches maybe. Hey, guys, listen, you saw. I hope so. I hope it stirs up some conversation, and maybe this is a point where uh, this is now going to be at the forefront, just yeah. how, even how the NHL is handling it, and they can move forward maybe in a better direction. Learn from your mistakes, yeah. absolutely. And then if I'm a minor hockey coach, I don't care how old my team is or in what age range they're in. I I know every, you know everybody's watching. Hockey fans are watching, and they're they're keeping an eye on everything. If I'm a coach, I'm saying what you saw from Zdeno Chara, what you saw from Zach Cassian, what you saw from Evander Kane. Don't you ever do that. If you ever get caught doing that on my team, Love it. you will be punished by me. That is not right within the game of hockey. We need to hear that in every rink across right. the land right now. So great. Yeah. So I think that's a that's an upside of this whole thing. And the NHL hopefully handles it right. Uh, you guys, I don't want to spend too much on uh, on this one, but it's also a very, very important conversation. The Jay Bowmeister situation. Um the cardiac incident. Yeah. I don't know if we really know exactly what it is yet, but scary, scary situation. And also for coaches and parents, uh, another really, really important topic to talk about. Ooh, and and we saw like these incidents, you and I were talking off the air at the break during uh, the pregame show. It's like, is, is there something going on with athletes that we're seeing more and more of this? You have your theories crush and I'm sure you're going to elaborate more, but uh, so scary, but the way the league is handling it, I think all pro sports with all the athletes, uh, the defibrillators being available oh. right there, saved Rich Peverly's life, saved Joe, Jay Bomeister's life. Uh, there's been Yuri uh, Fisher back in the day with the yep. Detroit Red Wings, saved his life. It, it's scary, but the, the good thing about this is he's okay. I know they installed a pacemaker in Jay Bomeister. There's nothing against him coming back and playing. At 37, playing in the league for 20 years, I don't know if he wants to. He's won a gold medal. He's won a Stanley Cup now. He's made his money. Um, 37, right? 37 years old. Young family. Obviously, he's an Edmonton boy. So there's that extra attachment, especially in in our community. But... I don't. I don't understand. I'm trying to correlate. Like, where is this coming from? And that's just how my mind thinks, and I think a lot of people instinctively are the same way. Because I don't want to see high end, high performance athletes uh, being victimized by by heart situations because they're pushing themselves too much to the point where I don't know if this is the proper term, but almost killing themselves. Yeah. Well, and I think you have to even look back at uh, Craig Cunningham of the oh, Arizona yeah. Coyotes yes, uh, exactly. Foundation. And now yep. he has the, the Craig Cunningham All Heart Foundation yep. trying to raise awareness for this stuff. But he had the issue, the cardiac arrest, and he even had his left leg amputated uh, with complications after. There's an infection, I believe. So, you know, you you, you see this stuff happen. It is extremely scary, but you have to come in uh, both sides, the medical staff, for how quickly they were able to respond oh. and, and prevent it from going further. And, and I, I like what the Craig Cunningham Foundation is doing now, trying to raise awareness, research this stuff a little bit more because it, it, it could happen to a lot of people. It is really scary. And here's the, the, to further that scary thought is like that happened during the anthem. And with Bo Meester, it was after like a minute and a half long shift. And, you know, maybe he's trying to catch his wind a little bit. Uh, I, it, that's the scary part, Crush. And you know the body and performance way better than Connor or myself. It just it just hits a guy at a certain moment, and that's what scares me 
Truly, it really, really does. Yeah, yeah. And I really like the, the conversation here, guys, because raising awareness is going to be really important. We are going to dedicate uh, an entire episode to this coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, we just want to get a little more information on what happened to Jay. Hopefully we'll, we'll hopefully the news is good. It sounds like yeah. he's doing fine, but but we're going to learn from this one and, and share some good information as well. Okay, hey, moving on. Uh, we got to get to baseball here, Tom, before we have to let you go, because I want I want you in on this conversation as well. So glad you're here. Tom Gazzola joins us. Um, the text question of the day, get to us, everybody. What is the biggest change you've seen in a sport? Any sport. Baseball has changed so much, and it's dealing with a bunch of issues here. So the first thing I want to get to you guys with is um, the Astros. So look, when you go through a grieving period, here's sort of the steps. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. I'm somewhere in the middle here <laughs> because I'm not lying to you. You know, this really did upset me. You know, yeah, again, sure. Jose Altuve, I've been talking about this this great player right and seeing one of my favorite images in all of sport right now i think it was the 2016 or 2017 all-star game it's judge and altuve standing at second base in their all-star gear the two david and goliath oh my gosh such a great picture but that's what sport's all about right so we always tell our young athletes even our pro guys uh we don't know how good you can get until you go through the process and then this happens the sign stealing incident with the with the astros Uh, i'm a little bit angry because it disappoints me because right. Altuve is just my, and I just, can I get back to looking at Altuve the same as I always have? And all of those guys. So here I want to, uh, Connor and, and Tom, I want, I want to throw this by you. Bellinger comes out with a very strong statement. Of course, um, incredible player for the Dodgers. Um, here's the quote that he came out with on the Astros apology in the whole situation. I thought the apologies were whatever. I thought Jim Keynes, uh, the Astros owner was weak. I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving them immunity. These guys were cheating for three years. I think what people don't realize is Jose Altuve stove, stole an MVP from Aaron Judge in 2017. Everyone knows they stole a ring from us. Boom. Yeah. That's coming now from players. This isn't, this isn't media. This isn't, this isn't administrative. This is coming from other players in the league. That is some of the most powerful stuff I've seen so far in this incident. I find it refreshing. And I like how the nail's being hit on the head by an all-star in Bellinger. And, and they're not holding back. There's, it, it, it got past the threshold crush where we know in, in all pro sports, the players don't want to cross the line at all. But this has blown things so far out of the water in baseball. And I think it sends a warning sign and signal to all other pro sports. If anything fishy's going on, like be on high alert. And, and, and baseball's one of the most interesting games and sports out there because of the rhythm of play. And, and it's just so different. It's all off on its own. You know what I mean? And the pace of it and all of that. But to me, it's refreshing to see what the players are saying and calling out the commissioner of the league, calling out the opposition. To me, the Astros are cheaters. Bottom line. And when they start floating the idea of stripping them of that World Series title, I'm like, you know what? This might be severe enough that that's okay. And this sets a precedent. This warns everybody in sports that that cheating to that extent is not okay. I listen, listen, I get that in baseball, if you can steal signs, uh, the old fashioned way, you know, that's, that's how you do it. But to use technology and to be as egregious and blatant as the Astros were um, to the point where the whole baseball world feels the same way about it completely wrong and completely justified if they say, you know what? We're taking away that World Series from Ooh, you guys. Oh, man. 
And I, I love what the players are saying because they shouldn't be good with this. This is, uh, and I think it was Clevenger's out of the, of the Cleveland organization saying, like, they took food off my plate. Like, they, they were cheating. That could have, a bad start against them could have sent me back down to the minors. That's money oh boy. out of my pockets because they cheated. And I, I saw what, if you guys saw uh, the English Premier League for um, with Man City, Man City's now not allowed to play in Champions League for the next few years. That takes money out of their pocket. Right. You wonder about players potentially wanting to sign there because the Champions League, like, you know, winning the EPL is great, but you want to win the Champions League. That's yeah. the Mecca. If you were to say, and when we saw it in NCAA with the USC Trojans and their cheating scandal, Houston, you are not eligible for the playoffs for the next two years. Huh. What could that do? Because free agents wouldn't want to sign there. Good point. That money that you make going into the playoffs, that added revenue, gone. You're losing sponsorships you're, big oh, time. You're man. basically playing for no reason other than the fact that you have to. And and who's going to want to play there? I mean, you might see but guys say, hey, I want to be traded. I don't want to be a part of this. That, to me, it's extreme, but that could deter it. Yeah. I agree, you guys. I got I got to stretch this segment out just a little bit because there's so much to talk about here. We have Will Gilmore, the uh, rehab and strength and conditioning coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds, talking about getting us ready for the season coming up right after this break. But but um, the damage does run deeper than just the game itself, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about Aaron Judge. Maybe maybe legitimately did lose that MVP because of the sign ceiling. I remember in the early 2000s, guys, when the whole PED thing blew wide open. Right. I remember talking to perennial all stars who all of a sudden weren't all-stars for a very obvious reason and these guys are venomous like they really really were they they, because listen um it's not so much their it's not ego this was not ego driven they literally lost tens of thousands of dollars that they used to support their families and potential contracts and interest in in future signings so this runs deep so here's here's the last thing i want to say and we won't get into all the details we'll talk about this later in the show but um here's an example of what connor just mentioned about players being um maybe uh, scarred or damaged or even hurt a little bit deeper. Uh, Mike Bolsinger, who's uh, a relief pitcher, played for the Diamondbacks, played for the Dodgers, played for the Blue Jays. On August 4th, 2017, he was pitching in Minute Maid Park. And this is what he said. He goes, I gave up four runs, four hits, and three walks in a third of an inning, and he was pulled. Mm-hmm. And he said his career was never the same after that terrible. He said it was the worst outing. This is what he goes on to say. He says, I don't know if I've had a worse outing in my professional career. This is in quotes. I remember saying at the time, it was like they knew what I was throwing. He actually said that back in the day. Uh, they're laying off pitches they weren't laying off before. It's like they knew what was coming. And he has just filed a lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against the Astros. Um, for the amount of the World Series bonuses for 2017, which amounts huh. to $31 million, which if he wins this lawsuit, he's going to donate to kids' charities around the Los Angeles area. Wow. But, but here's a guy that's not in the game anymore, and he firmly believes that game against the Astros was a turning point on the downturn of his career. How about that? I think that's tremendous. Uh, the fact that if he were to even win uh, some sort of settlement out of that and is going to donate it, I think that's a perfect example of um, how bad this situation is, I that agree. he wouldn't even take the money himself. And I, That's I, telling. I don't know if you guys saw Dusty Baker. I, I, I feel for him the situation he's going into as their new manager. Right. But saying that he fears premeditated you know, attacks on these players. And I'm sorry, but it's going to happen. I don't think there's any way you can deny that some of these players are going to Face the music, face the high heat, like it's coming. Yeah. And (laughs) the code of baseball, I mean, that's just what's going to happen.
Yeah, for sure. All right, boys. Listen, we are out of time. Tom, listen, thanks for staying on over Anytime, this break. I'm Chris. glad we caught you. That was a great conversation. Uh, Connor, we'll uh, cut over for a quick break here. Coming up after the break, everybody, we have a fantastic conversation on the other side of baseball, the performance side. Let's get everybody ready. The pros are there. Pitchers and catchers have arrived. We're going to talk to Will Gilmore, the Rehab and Strength and Conditioning Quarter Coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds. Right after this on Crush Performance, stick around, everybody. Hey guys, have you heard about Roan? If not, you're really missing out. Roan's a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. They're an absolute necessity for guys on the go. It doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or jumping on international flights. They're your new go-to men's clothing brand. Wherever your active lifestyle takes you, Roan makes something perfect for the occasion. In addition to Roan's top-rated training gear, they engineer elevated clothing that blends corner office class with sweatpant comfort. And for me, that comes in really handy. With all my travel and especially the long-haul flights across the Atlantic, I want to look professional, but I have to be comfortable at the same time, and Roan lets me do exactly that. It's usually an overnight flight to Europe and straight from the airport into meetings. Thank you, Roan. Comfortable, classy, and professional. And now Roan has just released their amazing new commuter collection, perfect for looking great and staying comfortable at the office. Offering everything from pants, dress shirts, polos, and vests, Roan is obsessive about clothing that's lightweight, comfortable, and wrinkle-free. The commuter collection is made to make Mondays feel like Fridays with its carefree maintenance, total comfort, and effortless style. And I want you guys to get into it. Here's what you do. Go to roan.com slash crush today and use the promo code crush to get 20% off your first purchase. That's Roan. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash crush with a K. Use promo code crush for 20% off. That's roan.com slash crush promo code crush for 20% off your first purchase. There's something powerful in looking good, feeling confident, and being comfortable. And that's what Roan's all about. Forever forward, gentlemen. More crush performance coming right up. If you have any performance questions, comments, or smart remarks, text Crusher at 101260 and follow him on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Now, here he is, the Crusher. All right, everybody, welcome back to Crush Performance. Jeff Crushell here, the con man behind the screen here, and we are your weekly source for performance information. Listen, questions? Comments, smart remarks, we love them all. And also, we answer every single email and message that we get. So if you have any questions, uh, do get to us. Or if you have a topic or an idea you'd like us to investigate, let us know. We may dedicate a segment or an entire episode of the show to your idea. Uh, and we've done that in the past. We've already done it here in 2018 or 20, uh, 2020. And we did it a couple times in 2019 as well. Um, if you need some help in your programming or your, your development or with your team or or Anywhere there's human performance, here's what we say. If we don't know the answers, I can guarantee we know somebody who has the answers. So do reach out. Again, Crush Performance is the website. Well, real important conversation. Pitchers and catchers have arrived. It's underway. Baseball is officially underway. And for everybody else, um, way up north where there's still snow on the ground or down south where leagues are revving up, uh, the competitive season is also right around the corner, and it's time to get ready. We're joined right now by my good friend, Will Gilmore, the Rehab and Strength and Conditioning Coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds. Will, my good friend, thanks for uh, joining the show. Welcome to Crush Performance, my man. Of course, Jeff. Happy to be here. Awesome. Finally, uh, finally glad to be on the show. Yeah, man. It's been a long time coming. I, it's too bad it's taken this long, but uh, this is the perfect opportunity, I think, to, to have you on to talk about, you know, the pitchers and catchers pro ball underway now, which is always an exciting time of year for, for everybody, uh, but also for the young athletes who are preparing 
uh, for the upcoming season, it's an important time as well. Will, it's really interesting, despite everything we know now, and you and I have talked about this, um, that uh, injuries are still a major, major issue at every level of the sport. Isn't it fascinating? Oh, yeah. And that's the thing is, the more research we, we get, the less we seem to know. It's always changing. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's like a Pandora's box. You know, we have a question, we dig into it, we find more, and then we find more that we don't know. Um, but that being said, I think we are making some progress, especially in the areas of injury prevention and reducing the risk. And and Will, you did a fantastic job in your masters looking at some of the issues around hamstrings. Maybe just for our audience, because I thought this was really important work. Will maybe for our audience, you can just sort of recap that really quickly and and let us know what some of your findings were there yeah so what I've been studying uh, a lot of the research comes out of Australian Catholic University um, and the work they're doing down there and, and what they're finding is that there's three key um, risk factors to hamstring injuries one being the age of the athlete so the older you are the more at risk you are two being the eccentric length of your hamstring muscle, so how far it can actually stretch. And then the third one being, um, what is this? so you got age, strength, and then, uh, yeah, actual overall strength of that muscle. So um, if you don't have one of those three factors, you're more at risk for a hamstring injury. Yeah, so we talk about flexibility and range of motion all the time now. We look at the way we're warming up our athletes now. We're getting away from the pre-competition, pre-practice, static stretching. We're getting in more to a, a dynamic mode. When you looked at the, uh, the, the eccentric length or the, the range of motion of, of the hamstrings, more is better or more is not always better? What were your findings there, Will? Yeah, so what they're finding is that it's, it's up to an individual level, so it's not always going to be the same. Um, but the big difference is that the person is able to control their hamstring at their end range of motion, and that there's not a big discrepancy between left leg and right leg on that strength. Yeah, and that's something, especially for the one-sided sports like baseball. You know, we were all up against it. You could look at tennis. You could also look at golf. You know, we've worked with some world-class curlers, believe it or not. Their postures and muscle balances are way out of whack. As a matter of fact, even our hockey players, right-handed, left-handed, see massive asymmetries in the body. When those muscles get off balance, it can really throw the skeleton off balance, but also the way we move, and that's often a high-risk factor right there. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what we do a lot with our guys is, is movement assessments, um, not only functional movement screens, mobility, flexibility, but also uh, force plate jumps and seeing how they produce force and absorb force in dynamic movements. Yeah, I really like we're talking with Will Gilmore, the rehab and strength and conditioning coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, of course, pitchers and catchers have reported it's underway. You guys are hopping down there, Will. So, again, I really appreciate your time today. I know you guys are busy. Um, but, you know, it's work like that. It's this, it's this isolated, really focused work like you did on hamstrings that sheds light on that particular area of the body. And now as, as we get this, you know, large body of work looking at all these different areas, we get a pretty good understanding of some of the ways we can reduce the risk of injury in, in our athletes for any sport. The interesting thing about baseball, Will, 
Um, and this is something that, that I think is a real important conversation for any parent, baseball athlete, and certainly coach out there. Um, the throwing motion is one of the most complex movements in all of sport, I personally believe, and left unchecked. Do you agree with this statement? If throwing is unchecked in terms of volume, intensity, and frequency, um, it could also be one of the potentially most dangerous movements in all of sport. Will, would you agree with that statement? I would definitely agree with that. It comes back to the old adage, if it's not getting measured, you're just guessing. So you never know what your load or volume is if you're just going out there and going by feel. And that's a good recipe for disaster. Yeah, so, you know, you guys spend a lot of time, and, of course, the number one priority at that level of the pro game is keeping the guys healthy. That's number one priority. Yet, it's interesting to see that the injury rates are getting higher, higher, and higher. We've pointed a a strong, strong finger, Will, at early specialization in sport. We know most of the injuries we're seeing at the higher levels of sport, um, they started developing years and years and years before they actually caused problems. And uh, that's been a big, big topic for us, and it's going to be one of our main topics here in 2020. But is that something that you're seeing right now? And how, how on the earth do you offset that, you know, once an athlete dedicates himself to a sport? It's a conundrum. It is. And we are seeing a lot of that, especially with the guys that have come in. And they've been specializing in baseball since they were 14 or 15. Um, compared to the guys who come in and they've played other sports all their way through high school. Those guys tend to be more well-rounded athletes and have better skill sets than the guys that have just been only a pitcher and only doing pitcher-specific training, so to speak. Uh, The guys that are doing stuff outside of their normal sport activity have well-rounded backgrounds, they move better, they're more athletic overall. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Hey, Will, you've had uh, experiences now with a bunch of great organizations. You just came from the Royals. You're now with the incredible Cincinnati Reds. I'm really, really excited to watch you guys this year. Uh, we know there's a lot of cool things going on there. But in terms of injury prevention, if you were going to send a message out to all the young ball players out there, knowing what you know from all your time in professional baseball, what are some of the main things at this point in the season? You know, um, the, the, the minor league baseball seasons kick off. You know, they'll start practicing in April. Late April, May into June, they'll, they'll really start getting underway. But um, for athletes who are thinking about getting ready for baseball, what are some of the key things you talk to your pro guys about as they get ready for spring training? So, the biggest thing, let's start with hamstrings. The biggest thing for hamstrings is that we're actually running at max speed once or, two, once or twice a week. Um, the research shows that training to run fast is the best way to run fast and to prevent hamstring injuries at that speed. Um, and then to go along with that, we also make sure our guys are doing the Nordic hamstring exercise at least once a week. And that can be as little as two or three sets of four to five reps, but that's going to help us maintain the length of our hamstring and keep our speed uh, once we are out there running. Yeah. Hey, in Will. In terms of... Oh, sorry. sorry. No, no. Hey, keep your thought there because I just want to just, just cut in there because a lot of our people might not know what the Nordic hamstring is. Hey, I know you're big in this one and I love it as well. We've been doing it for years with our guys. Um, but hey, can you share your Instagram uh, right here if people want to go check it out because I know you have posts on your Instagram and then maybe just describe, maybe give us a little description of that Nordic hamstring exercise. Yeah, so I believe my Instagram is will underscore Gilmore underscore reds um gilmore g-i-l-m-o-r-e so that should pop up yeah perfect but the uh the nordic hamstring you can just google on uh 
on Google Images Nordic hamstring partner exercise, and you'll see it's one athlete kneeling on the ground with a partner holding their feet to the ground. And essentially what you're trying to do is extend at the knees, keep a straight line all the way through your shoulders, and go all the way and touch the ground without breaking. Yeah. Um, and then reset and come back up. Keeping your hips locked in, you go down and try to touch it in. Hey, now, Will, for, for athletes that aren't quite strong enough to handle that, what are some of the progressions for that? Because it's a real, real important exercise, everybody. Yeah, so basic progressions would be laying on your back, bridging up at the hips, and then extending one leg, doing like a little glute bridge march. Um, you can also do uh, your basic Romanian deadlift or RDL where you're stretching. You can do that a single leg RDL where you're just doing that with body weight and learning to control yourself under your own weight. Love it. Love it. And then beyond hamstrings, let's continue this now. I cut you off there, but I really wanted to get to that because I, I, I really, we try to get every one of our athletes, not just for baseball too, everybody. This is for every sport. We're talking about hamstring performance and hamstring out there. That Nordic uh, um, uh, exercise, hamstring exercise is really important. Yeah, so in terms of general prep, the big thing is just really making sure that you're building up your volume and intensity as you ramp up to the season. So we don't want to spike our workload with week one of two or three hours of practice and another hour in the weight room. You want to start a month, two, maybe even three months out and slowly build up. Make sure you're getting more running under you. Get on the field, get your ground balls, get your fly balls in. Uh, build up your swings even in the cage start with a couple sets of 10 that's usually how we progress our guys back two sets of 10 off the tee for one day then the next day maybe two sets of 15 Um, so it's always a nice slow progression to get the guys back and up to full speed yeah hey how many weeks do you like to dedicate here will like like you know we i kind of we kind of look this is the way we kind of operate with our guys you know we look at hey when when do we have to be competition ready we look at that date and then we start reverse engineering backwards through the calendar and we start looking at okay this is when we really need to start ramping it up because you're so right too many athletes you know they get excited to play all of a sudden they're getting into the cage or they start throwing and they do weight too much way soon at too high of an intensity and they dig themselves into a big hole and it takes a long time to bounce back from that doesn't it oh yeah that's that's the worst thing because once you get injured now you have to stop and rest and you're going all the way back to zero you lose all that progress that you had made so it's worth it to start slow and build into it because now you're going to be set and you're going to be healthy for the rest of the season, hopefully. Yeah, and we're not talking 10 or 12 days here, people. We're talking weeks, you know, up to 10 weeks sometimes, sometimes even more, especially for throwing, for our older athletes even more. Like, Will, if you were to maybe give us a little hint on when you guys start your throwing program for for the team there, when would you guys start to get guys ready for spring training? So if guys, for minor league guys, they usually finish the first week of September, And most of those guys will take the next month of throwing completely off. And then this year, for the first time, they actually started throwing um, in November. Just very light catch Mm -hmm. at 60 feet uh, every other day. So um, this is starting four or five months out and then building all the way into this week when guys are first showing up. Yeah, and that's a strong message right there. That's four to five months out, November, December, January. 
February. And then when the position players, you know, you're basically, you're right, five months. And for the minor league guys, it's going to be five months. Um, that's a huge time frame. And yet, you know, for all of our young players, and I wonder uh, how much of this is contributing to the injury rates, especially in our youth players, Will. Um, we try to get these guys ready for their seasons in, in too small a window. It's, it is. It's too small a window. I, I'm just, I'm a firm believer of this. We need more time to get the arms ready. And I think if we were really smart, we would push back competition a little bit and just have the guys play, practice the game a little bit more at, at every level. I'm talking even just for fun as well, because uh, the game is hard enough as it, as it is. If we don't really practice and learn the skills, it's that much tougher. But that window, I think we need to extend or at least be aware of it, right? Especially for throwing. Oh, yeah. I, I'm on the same page with you there, Jeff. And I think kids need to get back to the, the idea of playing the game. So going and doing stuff that's not structured and finding ways to be creative and be athletic out in the field, um, messing around, trying, throwing from different angles, throwing on the run, just developing overall athleticism. Yeah, great stuff. We're talking with Will Gilmore, the uh, Rehab and Strength and Conditioning Coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds. Hey, Will, before we let you go here, I just wanted to ask you this last thing. In terms of the priorities away from the game, you know, we have one thing that's, that, that you and I could talk about another day. We'll have to get this maybe closer to spring or to the season, but um, you, you talked about it already, you know, the, the length of time for throwing, but volume is one thing, right? And we have pitch counts. Pitch counts reflect volume when it comes to throwing, but it doesn't really refl- reflect the intensity of throwing, right? A guy that throws, let's say a 15-year-old that throws, let's say, uh, 89, 90 miles an hour, that's a totally different animal than a 15-year-old that throws, you know, 70 to 75 miles an hour. And that's something that every coach out there needs to be aware of, uh, the intensities along with the volume. Does that does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret that we've been doing here with our rehab guys this year is we're using radar guns to track their catch play, and we're actually using it as a stop sign. Love like, it. hey, you're at 75 right now. Make sure we don't go over this today. We don't want you going to 80, 81. Even though you can throw 95, we're trying to limit your intensity for the next couple of weeks so that your tissues have a chance to adapt to that intensity. I love it. Usually when the guns come out, man, guys are firing a full tilt, right? But I love the idea of using the radar gun or the pocket radar to limit the intensity of throwing. Will, love that stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been pretty cool, and actually guys are really responding to it. Um, it's similar to in the weight room where you go through your progressions, and we got a deload week, and you have to beg the athlete, just take it easy this week, and trust me, next week you're going to be this much stronger and feel that much better. And guys are finally buying into it once they see how much better they feel coming out the other end. Yeah, and to be ready as an athlete for the game of baseball. In order to maximize player performance, Will, you hit the nail on the head, you have to be prepared very well-rounded as an athlete as well. And that's a, that's a big, deep discussion, but it's so important for players to understand. Definitely. I, I couldn't agree with you more, Jeff. Hey, when you guys talk about your athlete development side, just away from baseball, getting your guys ready for the game of baseball, you know, in our programs, we always talk about our four priorities. Rest, recovery, sleep is king. We talk about nutrition, hydration, posture, alignment, range of motion, and then we start teaching movement. Is that similar to your the approach you guys take there? Yes, definitely. Um, so what I've been working with our physical therapists with is a block zero progression where as soon as somebody gets hurt, we're going to restart their entire movement pattern and look over all the ways that they move through a squat, a hinge, 
a lunge, a carry, and see if there's any joints or anything that's not quite grooved the way we want it to, and then we can build them back up to be more efficient movers. I love it. It's a process, isn't it, Will? It just takes time. It's a process. you got to be patient, but it's a long game. Developing players and athletes for top performance is a long game. Will, listen, man. Hey, I really appreciate We're out of time here. I really appreciate you taking time in your busy schedule today. This is a great start uh, for us here on Crush Performance as we kick off the baseball season right along with you guys. I appreciate it, Jeff. This was a lot of fun. Great, Will. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. Of course. All right. There's Will Gilmore, everybody. He is the Rehab and Strength and Conditioning Coordinator for the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to cut out for a quick break. We're going to get to your text. Again, the crush text question of the day. What is the biggest change you've seen in sport? We're going to answer a couple of your uh, questions. We're going to go over some texts, and I'm going to lay out the numbers that prove baseball's changing fast right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Jeff Crushell here, the con man. Get to us, crushperformance.com, with any questions comments or smart remarks or if you want to subscribe to the show get our newsletter that's the place to do it again crush with a k performance.com all right let's get into it just a few minutes left here in the show and uh we talked about how baseball is changing unlike any other sport we've ever seen and at a rapid pace so just to give you a few of the numbers and we're going to roll out more of these over the next few weeks as spring training gets underway but just to give you an idea in 2018 was the first time in major league history that we saw more strikeouts than hits. Think about that for a second. Just think about that. More strikeouts than hits in the game. And if you're a baseball fan or if you played as a kid, try to dig a little bit deeper and and think about why that might be happening. There were 41,207 strikeouts and 41,019 hits. So it was a slim margin. 2019, let's fast forward. That was 2018, the first time in the history of the game more strikeouts than hits. Fast forward to 2019. Uh, we saw the third highest jump in strikeouts in 50 years. We had 1,600 more than 2018. And again, the streak continues. More strikeouts than hits. Another thing that's really, really changed in the game, if you look at the plate appearances and the number of appearances that end with a strikeout, 23% of all plate appearances end with a strikeout. When Mickey Mantle entered the league in 1951, only 9.7% of plate appearances ended in the strikeout. That's a massive, massive jump. So why is this happening? Well, we know the pitchers are throwing harder. We have analytics and data that's saying, what's the surest way to put a run on the board? And that's, of course, to hit it out of the park. And now that we have the science to break down the swing, to help guys increase their bat speed, track and see the ball better. Uh, We're seeing more guys and more organizations put emphasis on the long ball. That being said, how has that changed the game? Well, listen, in 2019, right-handed hitters faced 19,000 defensive shifts. And if you're a baseball traditionalist, I'm not sure if you like the defensive shift, but it's not going anywhere. Major League Baseball is not going to outlaw The defensive shift, it's not going to happen. Get used to it. The only way to counter a defensive shift is to hit away from the shift. It's a huge opportunity. So young hitters out there, learn to hit 
to the entire field at will. If you can do that, you're going to create quite an opportunity for yourself. Listen to this, though. And I don't know if you remember seeing this in Bryce Harper's first game at spring training when he finally joined the team. Okay, He he hit a home run, which was kind of cool, you know, as he went to his new team. But after the fact, you know, they asked him about what he noticed in the outfield. He goes, no, you know, I, I wasn't really paying. I was watching the, paying attention to the outfield. I was watching the pitcher. Well, there were four outfielders in the outfield. Last year in 2019, there was 101 balls in play against a four-man outfield. In 2017, Connor, guess how many there were in 2017? How many, how many balls were hit into play to a four-man outfield in 2017? Take, take a wild guess. There were 101 last year. Oh, uh, let's go 50. Yeah, zero. <laughs> zero. Again, it's a trend in the game that we're seeing, right? More teams are willing to put an infielder in the outfield, especially against a power hitter, right? So um, big changes in the game. Analytics, data are driving this. One last da- piece of information on, and data I want to uh, share with you before we cut over to Merv's question here. Um, 47 players played at least five different positions this season. That's the highest number ever of multi-position players playing five or five different positions in the season, 47 players. Again, pitchers, if you're not hitting or playing a second uh, position as a young player, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Coaches, get your players playing every position on the field. You don't know where it will land. And I'm telling you, we had 47 players uh, in 2019 play five positions, five different positions this year. That number is going to grow especially with the expanding roster, okay? And again, uh, just in the last few minutes here, we had a great question coming in from Merv. Merv um, sent us a text here uh, last week, and he said, Crusher, can you talk again about the numbers on specialization and explain why it's not the best idea for young athletes? So Merv's referring to our conversation last week. Um, I went over to Mission and the BC Minor Baseball, did a couple of uh, incredibly uh, good lectures there. We had a lot of fun talking with all the experts and coaches in the area And one of the big topics is specialization and early specialization in sport. There's a strong, strong, um, um, I guess, contingency in sport saying that it's probably the number one reason we're seeing such a rise in injuries, overuse injuries, burnout, dropouts. But we're seeing these massive, massive increase in injuries at every level of sport, including our pros. Early specialization is it. And not only that, it doesn't necessarily mean your athlete's going to have an advantage. You may get a short-term advantage, but remember, the game of sport, and if you have an athlete that wants to chase it down, it's a long game. So here's a few numbers that'll just maybe paint a picture for you, okay? Um, And this comes out of our research in 2019. And when looking at the NCAA, all right, Uh, multi-sport athletes, 94.7 of all NCAA athletes were multi-sport athletes, 94.7. 45 or multi-sport up to the age of 16 years of age. If you look at the last year's NFL draft, 29 of the 32 top players were multi-sport athletes. It goes again and again and again. Early specialization doesn't work. As many sports as possible, as long as possible. All right, that's it for today. Got to thank Will Gilmore for joining us, Tom Gazzola and Connor. Thanks for joining in. Uh, We'll see you next time on Crush Performance. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, 
Radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans. Experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry. Pro wrestling personality David Penzer. MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. And strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. 